Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so excited to be with you this morning. Thank you for joining us on this bizarre April morning. Was it weird for any of you guys going out this morning? Snow and fog and sunshine, sort of. Kind of odd, but we are getting there. We are getting there. Spring will be here soon. I believe it. If you are joining us online, we understand. We understand why you might have stayed home this morning. Wherever the Lord has you today, thank you for being with us. We want you to feel connected to this community no matter where you are today. So we encourage you to participate in the chat throughout the service. We also have online hosts who are available for you all throughout the service to answer any of your questions and who would love to pray with you. So use that request prayer button anytime throughout our service this morning. You can ask questions and you can bring your praises and prayer requests. We want you to feel a part of what is going on here at Springbrook, no matter where you are today. I also want to let you know in a little while, we're going to be taking communion together and we want you to feel a part of that as well. So right now or throughout the first few minutes of the service, you can go and get some communion elements, juice or bread or whatever you have with you that you can take and partake in communion with us. Well, I would love to invite you now to stand if you are able, whether in body or in spirit, for our call to worship. We are rounding out our Sermon on the Mount series, and it's in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught us how to pray. And it's in the Lord's Prayer that we hear the words, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is the prayer and the proclamation of this first song. Let's lift our voices together this morning. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very soul. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power. Unleash your kingdom's power. Each 
Well, we taught this song last week. If you haven't heard it yet, we hope that you like it. Join in with us as you pick it up.
Well, you can be uh, seated. This morning we have an opportunity to come together to celebrate communion. Uh, Communion was one of those things that was instituted, modeled by Jesus himself when he sat down at that last supper with the disciples. And so there's passages in scripture that reflect on Jesus giving instruction and modeling for us what communion looks like. And then other parts of scripture, rather than Jesus modeling communion, we actually get instruction. For example, like with Paul, Paul gives us instruction on what communion is. And he says, what I'm instructing you, I heard from Christ directly. The instructions that I'm giving you are, are, have been exemplified for you, continue to do them. And so Paul gives some instruction on the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I don't think it's a coincidence that immediately after he gives that instruction on communion, he moves into talking about spiritual gifts, talking about who we are together. You see, individually, we have a relationship with Christ, but God has called us to be something together as the body of Christ. And every one of us this morning has come together this morning with different things that are happening in our life, different circumstances. Each one of us could tell a different story about what our week has looked like this past week, right? And we all have different gifts that God has given us according to the grace of God. And, and so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that if the body were all like an eye, if we were all eyes, where would there be a sense of hearing? We were all eyes, there'd be no ears. He says, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet there is one body. And so we come together this morning and with diversity, you know, we come together, each of us bringing a different, unique gift, a different, unique circumstance. And so we embrace our differences, but what unites us is who we are in Christ. You say a relationship with Christ is something that brings people together to celebrate the hope that we have in Christ as we anticipate his second coming. It's an opportunity for us to encourage each other in the faith. It's an opportunity for us to evaluate our lives. And so we come together this morning to partake of communion and we celebrate open communion here at Springbrook, which means if you have a relationship with Christ, we invite you to participate. If you have questions about what a relationship with Christ is, or if you're not quite sure what communion is, then we want to encourage you to find answers to those questions. What unites us together this morning is who we are in Christ, and we celebrate that. When Jesus was with his disciples at that last supper, he lifted up a loaf of bread, and he said, this bread is reflective of my body, which is going to be broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And then after they'd finished eating, he lifted that cup up and he said, this cup is reflective of my blood. That's going to be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, drink this in remembrance of me. And so we come together this morning, unique individuals drawn by Christ, but together one body of Christ. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate together our identity as Christians and Christ followers. And so we're going to give you a few moments in this next song to come forward and and partake of communion together as we celebrate the reality of individually having a relationship with Christ, but also celebrating who we are together as a body of Christ, individually members of it. And so we want to invite you during this next song to come forward. You can take the elements. There's uh, two cups, one with some bread and some juice in it. And then as the Lord leads you during this next song, feel free to uh, partake of communion as you feel led. Uh, in your seat. Then after we're done, uh, at the end of the service, you can drop your cups uh, off at the uh, trash can at the back. But let's lift this next few moments up uh, to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you for the unique way that you have created each of us. And uh, whether we are together this morning, whether we are online uh, participating in communion in that way, or whether we're together in person, 
celebrating in this manner. God, thank you for who we're called to be together. God, may our lives be a witness uh, to the life-transforming power of our relationship with your son. And we just thank you for this time that we could celebrate uh, communion in this way. God, we lift our time up to you. We lift our day up to you. We lift our very lives up to you, Lord, for your, for your glory. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
In the stead of Roman sinners hangs the Lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory. Grace unmeasured, love untold. Will you stand and sing this last verse with us? that is our hope that is the reason we can get up in the morning and live another day as we have this hope as an anchor for our souls that Christ is alive that our Savior has died that Christ is risen that Christ is coming again and that we will rise with him Father thank you for this hope thank you for the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Thank you for his blood poured out. Thank you for the cross and the empty tomb. Help us to not move past this moment this morning too quickly. May we pause here, even just for one more breath, to hold deeply in our hearts how important, how beautiful, how wretched and awful and horrifying and wonderful the sacrifice that Jesus made for us is. As we're getting ready to go into this holy season of honoring Good Friday and celebrating Resurrection Sunday as we prepare our hearts for all that you have for us, will you teach us something about yourself? Holy Spirit, will you open our eyes to see you more clearly? Will you open our eyes to see ourselves more clearly in light of who you are? who you've called us to be in light of the kingdom that you have brought in the here and now. Will you help us to see who you are and who you are calling us to be in this time, in this place? We are not here on accident. I pray for each person in this room, each person who has found us online, that they would believe with all of their heart and soul that they are not here by mistake, but that you have something for them 
that you want more for them, that you are shaping them and forming them and calling them deeper into joy and abundant life in your kingdom. Father, can we believe that? Can you give us faith to believe that that is what you have for us? I pray for faith to believe that, Father. God, we believe. Help our unbelief, we pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. We are desperate for you in every corner of our lives. And this morning, we need you to open our eyes so that we can see clearly our ears that we might hear and our hearts that we might receive from you what you have for us. You're perfect and holy and blessed and eternal and living word. We love you and all of this is for you. We pray this in the matchless name of Christ Jesus, our King. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, hello. Good morning, everybody. Um, If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Andy Suarez, and I'm one of the elders here at Springbrook. Um, uh, If you are here in person, you'll notice that we have an online connections card. Or not an online connections card. You might notice that, but it's online, so you probably won't notice it too well. On the seat that, on the row that you're sitting on, there's a connections card um, off to the side. If you want to take a look at that and fill it out, give us uh, any information that you want to give us. Um, there's also, if you have an interest in any of the programs that we're talking about, you can note that on there, and we'll be getting back a hold of you. Um, there's also room for prayer requests on there. Um, If you are online with us, uh, you'll notice at the top of the screen there's an online connections card, and you can fill that out. Let us know that you were with us today, and uh, if you're new, let us know, and we'll be reaching out to you and welcoming you and uh, seeing if you have any questions. Uh, We have a couple things that are coming up. Um, We have our Celebrate Recovery. I know you've probably been hearing more and more about Celebrate Recovery, and it might seem like it's a new thing, um, but really what's been going on, we've had leaders meeting for about a year now, putting this together. I know that his leadership's been in prayer for this new ministry that's going on. Um, Celebrate Recovery is just, it's if you have any hurts, um, hang-ups, What's the other word that I said? Habits. Rich came with those three H's. I like it. Hurts, hang-ups, or habits. Um, This is just a great ministry for those types of things. Um, they're going to be meeting for the first time in kind of more of a big group, uh, and it's going to be in the, uh, the, the small theater, which is right off to the right of the atrium. Uh, it's an open thing, so you can just come on in. It's going to be Tuesdays at 7 p.m., uh, so we welcome you to, to come to that. Um, we've got VBS coming up. That's coming up on uh, June 6th through the 10th. And so if you have small ones, this is probably something you should block off in your calendar. Uh, we do this every year, and it's usually a very large event. Um, we always need volunteers because this is a large event, from security to check-in to people that are teaching to just helpers. Uh, if that's something that you can help us out with, we would love uh, to, to, to have that help. Um, so springbrook.org slash VBS tells a little bit more about that. You can also talk with Michelle Howe, who's in the Kid City, um, for a little bit more information and let her know if you're, if you're willing to be able to help out during that time. Uh, we have uh, Easter's coming. It's like two weeks away. Um, Easter is a really great event. You know, we, I love Springbrook. I love being here at Springbrook. I imagine that at least 90% of you guys are the same way. <laughs> um, so invite people. This is a great event to be inviting people. If you've got neighbors or friends or family, a lot of people will go to Easter. It's not a hard invite. Um, invite people. Let's get people here and show them what Springbrook has to offer. Um, as I said, that is coming up in two weeks. There's more information about that at springbrook.org slash Easter about all the things that are going on that weekend. Um, we have our app. 
If you text 77977, it's going to send you back a link for our app. Our app was just kind of recently updated in the last couple months. It's a great place to go. It kind of tells you all of the different events that are going on, what's happening, what the timelines are for that, where you can register on there. It's also as a calendar of events. Um, there's a way to do prayer requests on there. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing to have. So if you don't have that and you want to kind of stay in touch with what's going on at Springbrook, um, you can pick that up by texting that number. Um, looking forward to Rich is going to be coming out soon uh, for the next part of our service. I hope you enjoy. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad that you are uh, with us this morning. And hey, we are finishing up uh, our series uh, today on the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm, I'm going to miss this series. We've been, uh, this is going to be week nine, or this is week 10. We've had nine weeks of going through the Sermon on the Mountain. And so part of me is really going to miss looking at the teaching of Jesus. I've, you know, Jesus did that, uh, some estimate anywhere between, you know, half an hour to an hour to maybe, you know, a good part of the day. And so we covered it in, 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 in nine weeks. I'm glad we didn't try to do it in one sitting, aren't you? <laughs> well, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. You know, sometimes a picture is worth one word. <laughs> so you ever seen one of those uh, pictures and you can sum that up really quick? It's like, ooh, what's that? Sometimes a picture is worth 2,000 words. You look at it and you think, man, I just, I can't figure out what that is. You know, this is a picture of a uh, slum in the village of uh, India. And so there's uh, 25,000 people uh, in almost a one-block radius. And so uh, this is a picture of a slum village uh, in India. And so when you look at the picture like that, you think, wow, that's a, you know, maybe some emotions. Maybe, you know, you're familiar with that. For some people, it's like, well, that's interesting. What's that got to do with anything? So sometimes the picture is worth a thousand words. And, and it's not until you're actually in the picture that it starts to take on more meaning, Right. And so it's one thing to say, hey, here's a picture of something that I'm familiar with, but it's another thing completely to see yourself in the picture. And then even more importantly than that is then to get emotionally connected to people that are in the picture. And so I had an opportunity to be in India, and I, I, uh, one of the things that I really have missed uh, these past several years kind of being grounded um, is missions trips. I, missions is one of my primary gifts, and, and I, love, I love missions trips, and I have really missed that. But I, and I long for that sense of, you know, uh, just interacting with different cultures and sharing uh, Christ with people that have questions. You know, one of the things that's interesting about um, being overseas or doing missions in other areas one of the things I really miss is that when, whenever you show up to teach, I remember I was visiting uh, uh, one of the local churches. This is a church, by the way, in the middle of this slum in India. And so you can see, I don't know if you can see here, there's a, there's a little uh, pulpit back there with a cross on it. And so this is a church in the middle of this slum that uh, is started by the Timothy Initiative. And so we had an opportunity to be there and encourage one of the pastors that's ministering there. But it's interesting because when you go to teach someplace uh, and you ask them, well, how long do you want me to teach? You know what their answer is? It's like, well, however long you want to teach. It's like, well, you know, 30 minutes, okay, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, you can teach as long as you want. And so people will come for hours 
and will sit listening to the Word of God for hours as long as you're willing to teach the one to listen. And so there's, my heart connects with that, being able to share the good news about Christ uh, with people that have never heard about Jesus. And so I get, I get 30 to 40 minutes every Sunday here, and I'm grateful for that. But it's something exciting about being around people that just have a thirst for learning more about Scripture. And so that picture, for me, takes a little bit more meaning. It's more meaningful because I can place myself in it. And then even more importantly, that is the connection with the people that I made while I was there. So this is a picture of some kids uh, that came running up to us while we were there. It's interesting when you're a, when you're a tall white guy in the middle of a, you know, a different area, you, you attract attention, right? And so uh, every, everywhere we went, people were kind of walking up to look like, hey, look, what are you doing? And these kids were just, they were having a blast. Uh, and I got the chance to talk with them a little bit. But in particular, there was one little girl that just stood out. And you can, uh, her, her eyes kind of sparkled. I'm in the middle of this brokenness. In the middle of this brokenness, in the middle of this, you know, this, just, just this broken area, and I see this little girl looking up at me with just her eyes sparkled, and she had the most beautiful smile on her face. And so that picture moved from just being a picture to something I could put my, myself into. All of a sudden, now there's some emotional attachment to that. And then we left from there, and we had an opportunity to go to a, uh, uh, to go to a village and had an opportunity to pray over somebody with leprosy. And so we're, we're walking around in this area, and it's just in the midst of this brokenness. And all of a sudden, these pictures are no longer just a thousand-word pictures to me. They have meaning to them. And so there's something that's, a, that's, a, that's attached to them. And one of the things that I've found is, is that when you're talking to people about stories or when you think about news or events or pictures or maybe notes that you run across, one of the things that I've discovered is, is that um, the closer you are to something, the more impact it has on your life, right? And so you can look at a picture and say, well, that's an interesting picture. But when you get close to what's happening in the scene, it has an impact on your life. The closer you are to something, the more impact something is going to have on your life. You know, I was uh, with my wife uh, a couple days ago, and she held up her cell phone, and she said, hey, 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 look at this. And I'm, so I'm looking at, trying to hold, see what the picture is, and it looks like it's a, it's a park or something. And I'm like, well, what is it? She goes, just hang on a second. And so I'm watching it. I'm thinking it's a tree. And it's like, well, what is it? And all of a sudden, I see one of my grandkids come running up, and his little face is in the picture screen. And, and so it was, it's, it's funny because that took on a completely different meaning. I went from, well, what is this? to, Oh, that's my grandson. You know, when, when, when you're close to something, when you're close to something, it has an impact on your life. Well, these past, you know, nine weeks, uh, we've been going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we've experienced something together. Jesus has explained to us how to experience the kingdom of heaven. And so if you're new with us at Springbrook this morning, I want to encourage you to, uh, you can go back and listen to uh, our messages um, online. But, you know, think about as you approach scripture, what, what, is, how, what kind of reaction do you have uh, when you're reading scripture? Or when you think back on this series that we've been in, what kind of an attachment do you have to the things that we've learned? If you've been close to it and you've been tracking along and reading through with it, or when you read scripture, if, if you allow it to get close, there's some kind of an impact that it has in your life. Sometimes people can read, you know, a Bible, they can read a Bible passage, they can be in a small group, or they can come to a church service, and it's like, well, I, I don't know, I, I'm not sure I got anything out of that, or I'm not sure what I got out of that. And so uh, it, it's a reflection of how close that you've been able to get to what's been happening. And so when we study God's Word together, it should have an impact on our life. The closer we get to something, the more of an impact it has on our life. 
Well, we're finishing up this series today, and, and uh, uh, we are finishing with the Jesus is done teaching. And so the Sermon on the Mount, we concluded that um, last Sunday. So we looked at the last words of Jesus as we looked at the importance of making the right choice. There's, there's two paths, and so we can ch- choose the path that leads towards life and Him, or we can choose a path that leads towards destruction and separation from God, and the choice is ours. And so if you get close to that passage, uh, it's going to have some impact on the decisions you make, right? And so we've looked at these various teachings of Jesus, and then he's done. And then after he's done teaching, it says this in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 27. When he had finished teaching, when he had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And so as you think back on this past nine weeks, you know, how do you, how do you summarize for somebody what you experienced? You know, as we've gone through this series for nine weeks together, do you have a sense of, wow, that was astonishing? You know, when the crowds heard his teaching, they were astonished. And, and it's, I've been teaching for over, for over 20 years. And um, I have never, when I get done teaching, had somebody just be astonished. You know, I've had somebody come up and say, well, that was a, that was a pretty good message. Or I've had a, most people stay awake for the whole message. You know, I get a variety of different feedback. I like getting feedback from people. Obviously, I'm really curious about what people learn as we studied Scripture together. I get a lot of feedback sometimes. You know, you talk too fast or you move around. Your hands move around a lot. So I get all kinds of feedback about my, about my messages. But I've never had anybody walk up to me and go, that was life-transforming. <laughs> These people were astonished at Jesus' teaching. And the word astonished means it's, it's almost like their socks were knocked off. They were amazed at the teaching of Jesus. And so I got to thinking about that, being amazed. What is it that is amazing about the Word of God? Why would these people be astonished as, at his teaching? It has to do with the fact that he was speaking directly into their lives. He was close to them. He was teaching was one without authority, and they, and they followed him after it was over. It would be interesting when I got done this morning, if I went home for lunch and uh, all of a sudden there was like 10 people standing out in front of my porch going, hey, we want to know more. (laughs) These people followed him after he was done teaching. They wanted to know more. What was it about his message that was so astonishing? When Jesus had finished uh, teaching in a later passage, he was teaching in parables. He went away from there, coming to his hometown. He taught them in their synagogue, so they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is he not just the carpenter's son? Where is his MDiv? What Bible school did he go to? Is he a PhD? He's not one of the scribes or Pharisees. Who is this guy? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? And where did he get this wisdom? Jesus taught in a way that people were astonished at his teaching. In Matthew 19, he tells the disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were astonished. A camel can't go through the eye of a needle. You know, and Jesus says, it's easier for a rich man to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. What he's telling them is you can't get into heaven on your own. It doesn't matter how much money you have. And disciples heard this, they were astonished saying, A camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. How on earth can anyone be saved? 
And Jesus looked at him and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. And so the disciples were astonished in a sense that they just heard something that was just almost impossible for them to believe. In the book of Mark, um, Jesus is uh, with the disciples again. Uh, he has uh, been uh, working through the region of Tyre. And uh, in chapter uh, 7, uh, it says he's in the region of Tyre. He's gone through uh, Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Decapolis. And, he, and they brought to him a man who was deaf. He had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on them. And taking him aside from the crowds privately, he put his fingers into his ear and his spit, spitting, he touched his tongue and looked up to heaven. He said, Ithya, um, Ithya, that is to be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus told them not to tell anyone about this, but the more he charged them, the more zealous they proclaimed it. And in verse 37, it says, his ears were open, his tongue were released, he spoke painfully, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying he's done all these things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And so this idea of being astonished means that there's something that they've just seen or something that they've just heard, and it's life-transforming for them. They're astonished. It knocks their socks off. And, and when the disciples were with Jesus, they're constantly astonished by the work that Jesus is doing. In Mark eleven seventeen, he's teaching them and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a house of robbers? The chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And so Jesus is going throughout the land. He's teaching about the kingdom of heaven, and people are being astonished because he's meeting them right where they are. He's speaking into the reality of their lives, and, it, it, and it's changing the way they think. It's astonishing to them. And so when we think back on our nine weeks of going through the Sermon on the Mount, where's a sense of astonishment as we come off of looking at these different passages? It's only astonishing if we allow it to get close to us. You know, the Word of God is life-transforming, and when we read it, and we study it, and we're into it, and it comes close to our hearts, it changes us. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we act. It changes the friends that we have. It changes our priorities in life. And when we get close to the Word of God is when it has an impact on our life. You see, astonishment comes as a genuine response to Jesus. Astonishment is reflected in where you see life change. The teaching of Jesus is astonishing because it's not what their listeners were expecting. We respond to Jesus in astonishment when he, when he speaks into our life and as a result of our getting closer to him and to his word. It's astonishing to them because Jesus was teaching them things that they were not expecting to hear. He was not teaching them things they expected to hear, and it was not what their listeners had been taught before. It was a, it was a countercultural message. Everything that Jesus was teaching them was countercultural to what they had heard, and that's true for us today. The teachings of Jesus go against the things that we're brought up to believe, some of the things that we've heard, some of the things that we've been taught. The teachings of Jesus 
conflict with the things that we pick up from our culture. And when we engage in Scripture and when we study God, when we study God's Word, it transforms us. There's a sense of astonishment. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. I can remember the first couple of times after I became a Christ follower reading through the Bible, and it's like, I did not know that. I did not know that. That was my catchphrase. I, I did not know that. <laughs> Scripture engages us, and when we allow it to get close, it is astonishing, and it changes our life. In Matthew chapter 5, we looked at this passage earlier in the series. Jesus said, you've heard it said of those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the, to the hell of fire. And so Jesus is he's, he's actually confronting. I mean, think about this. this you shall not murder. That, that's, that's commandment number five. I mean, Moses came down with the hill with the Ten Commandments. They, these, the people of the Jewish faith, they grew up with those Ten Commandments. They're foundational to, to the way they lived out their lives. From an Old Testament perspective, the Ten Commandments were the, were the benchmark, the standard. And Jesus says, well, I know you've heard this, but I'm saying something different to you. It's not just about murdering, but about being angry with your brother. And so Jesus confronts something that they know that to be true, something that's so ingrained in them, he hits them right where it's close, and they're astonished by their teaching, by his teaching. And then he went right into commandment number six, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. And so he's challenging their notion of what adultery is. Adultery is just not the act. It's, it's, the, it's the intent of looking lustfully at somebody. And so he challenges their thinking. They're astonished by his teaching because everything that he is saying is challenging the way that they've been applying God's word to their life. And he does that throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount. In verse 38, he said, you've heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, give him the other one also. And so he's constantly challenging something that they've learned growing up as a kid. I mean, if you were uh, in the Jewish, if you grew up as a Jewish boy, you had the entire Torah, the first five books of the, uh, the Bible memorized as you moved towards being a teen. And so the expectation was that you would memorize the Torah. And so any Jewish boy would have the entire Torah memorized. And then if you were really... Uh, pursuing a religious education, you'd start to move into the Psalms and, and the scribes and the Pharisees. And, and, and most of the religious leaders at the time would have had the, the whole Old Testament memorized. And so these are, core, these are core beliefs and core values that Jesus just, starts, just really starts chipping away at and saying, you, you, you guys have this all in your head, but your hearts are far from it. And he starts challenging everything that they brought up with and challenging their thinking and giving them another way to think about it. And it's astonishing. And it's a threat to the scribes and the Pharisees. That's why they wanted to put him to death. It's like, wow, this guy is undermining everything that we've been teaching. It's not that it was opposite. Jesus didn't come with a new law. He came to fulfill it. And so Jesus is making some claims about himself that are astonishing to his listeners. The words of Jesus are absolutely astonishing to his listeners because those words were hitting close to home. It was challenging their thinking. It was challenging what was on their hearts. If we're not astonished, then we're just not hearing or reading the Bible correctly. You know, if we're not being astonished, then that means we're not reflecting on what it means for us. 
And so we need to evaluate. When you evaluate your lives from a biblical, pers- from a biblical perspective, trust me, it, it's astonishing. <laughs> it challenges the way we think. It challenges the way we live. It challenges the way that we behave. And there's everything about Scripture that is astonishing. In James 1 and 5, uh, James writes, For anyone, is, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like a man that looks intently in, in his face in a mirror. If he looks at himself and then goes away and forgets what it was like, then, you know, that's just silly. And so if I looked up in the mirror and I've got a big old piece of schmutz on my face here, and I just kind of, well, that's kind of interesting, and I just walked off and left it there, that would be kind of silly. And so what happens is, is when we approach Scripture, when we're reading passages and when we're listening to sermons and we're doing devotions, if we're not reflecting on what it means, then it's foolish. It's like going away and, and not doing anything with what you've just learned. But if you will get close to it, if you will study it, it is life-transforming. It is astonishing. The closer we get to it, the more impact it has on our life. You know, responding to the message of Jesus will, will result in astonishment when we get close to it. The one who looks into the perfect law and perseveres in faith, not just being a hearer but forgets, but a doer who acts, there's blessing in that. And so when we look into God's Word and we apply it to our life, that's where the blessing comes from. That's where the astonishment comes from. There's astonishment when we let God's Word in and we evaluate our lives based on His Word Being close to Jesus and respond to his message results in astonishment when we let it in. And then it also results in an impact on our life when we recognize Jesus' authority. And when we recognize Jesus as an authority, it changes our life. It it changes the way we live out our life. You know, in Matthew uh, 5, 21, we just looked at, Jesus is talking about the fact that you've you've got this this commandment that you've got memorized, um, you shall not murder, Whoever murders will be liable, but I'm saying to you something that brings on more authority to this passage. Jesus starts to say, Jesus is he's equating his teaching to the Ten Commandments. And so he's elevated his teaching to the, this word of God that you've got memorized and you, and, you, and you know to be true. I'm saying there's another application for it. And so he starts speaking to them as a person with authority. In Matthew 6, he tells them how to pray. You know, I know you've been praying. You know, you've grown up in a family that's prayed. You believed in God, but he teaches them a new way to pray. He says, when you pray, don't be like these hypocrites. They love to stand out and pray in the synagogues at the street corner. Don't do that. You know, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father in heaven. And then he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus begins to teach with authority with regard to how to pray. So he's changing their understanding of how they would apply the the Ten Commandments to their lives. He starts to teach them how to, how to pray. And as you read through the, the Sermon on the Mount, he's constantly teaching them and telling them with authority how they are now to live out their lives in light of the fact that he is now here. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your faith. Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on, on earth where moth and, and rust destroy and where thieves break in. He starts telling them with authority how they are now to start to live their lives. In Matthew 6, he says, Therefore... I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. If you were with us on this Sunday that we looked at this passage, you remember what therefore is? Therefore, it's a clap, right? (laughs) Whenever Jesus says therefore, it means, hey, stop. Look back at what I just told you, and now how do you apply it to your life? Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. That's, That's a command. 
He's not saying, hey, you can trust me. Oh, don't worry about it. He's telling you, don't be anxious. With authority, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body. Are any of you anxious about that? Are you anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, you know, what's going to happen with your house, your car, your job? I mean, think about the things that cause us anxiety. Jesus, with authority, says, don't do it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's an authoritative command. He's telling you how to live your life. And he's speaking with authority, and it, and it creates a sense of astonishment with his listeners. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus has just got through telling his listeners that there are two paths to choose from. You can choose me, life in heaven, or you can choose to reject me, and it's destruction, life apart from me. And then he says, and there's several of you that think you're, that you have a relationship with me, but you don't. And so authoritatively, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord's going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty strong claim, isn't it? I mean, for somebody to be able to tell you, hey, look, I know you think you have a relationship with Christ, but mm, you might not. You know, Jesus is telling people with authority, hey, not everyone that thinks they have it figured out has got it figured out. Jesus says he's the only way to heaven. Those that were listening to Jesus were astonished because he was hitting close to home. When Jesus had finished this Sermon on the Mount, people were astonished at his teaching. His teaching was one that had authority, not as their scribes, not what they were accustomed to. They recognized his authority in their lives and the ability to speak into that. It's life transforming, and there was, there was impact. Responding to Jesus is reflected in our lives. When we're, we allowed God's word in, we're astonished by it. Responding to Jesus is a reflection of our recognized authority in our life. And then responding to Jesus is when we put what we know to be true into action in our lives. In Matthew 8, 1, when Jesus had come down from the mountain, it said great crowds followed him. Now, there was a lot of people that had been gathered around together at this mountain. He had been, he had been traveling throughout uh, this, in this large plot of land. People had been coming from miles and miles away to hear him. There was a lot of people around him. And when he, and when he got done teaching, it says that there was a crowd that got up and followed him after he was done. Everyone was astonished, but not everyone was happy about it. In fact, Jesus would be put to death because of the things that he was teaching. And we're going to look at that next week. We're going to be looking at, we know how the story ends, right? Jesus was led to the cross because of his teaching. It was so astonishing. It was so amazing. And he's taught with such authority that he got put to death for it. But the good news is we know how the story ends. He was teaching with authority. And guess what? He was right. And he proved he was right by overcoming death on the cross. That's what we're going to be celebrating as we move into Easter. But as you think about this past nine weeks, as we think about how we've been reflecting on, on, on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, I want to encourage you to think about, hey, what is Jesus' authority look like in my life? You know, where have I been astonished? You know, how has it impacted my life? In John chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's explaining to them uh, the fact that he is, uh, you know, the bread of life. He's talking about um, his body and his blood. 
uh, that's going to be, uh, to be given for the forgiveness of sins. And he, he's actually talking to them about what we just celebrated. He's talking about the fact that he is the, the bread of life. And so in, in this conversation he's having with the disciples, some confusion uh, you know, comes about about, hey, what does it mean to be drinking? Is this really his flesh? And, and so in the midst of that confusion, um, Jesus begins to speak to them about, uh, about who he is. He said, this is, this, is, this is the bread that came from heaven. I'm not like the bread that your fathers have been eating. They've all died. Whoever feeds on this bread is going to live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Many disciples had heard it. They were astonished. <laughs> they were saying, well, who can listen to this thing? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said, do you take offense at what I'm talking about, eating my body? They said, well, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Would you believe then? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Jesus says, the words that I've been speaking to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who were, who were not going to believe and who was going to believe. He knew who was going to betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father granted it. And after this, many disciples turned back and, and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to him, you know, do you want to you turn and walk for me as well? And then uh, Peter says this, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, people, when they hear the Word of God, respond differently. After Jesus had finished with the Sermon on the Mount, he stood up, he got ready to leave, and there was a, there was a large crowd that followed him. But there was also a large crowd, I'm sure, that just kind of gave up. Okay, that was a, that was a long sermon. I've, I've been here for a while. I might have to go back and think about it. Some people just walked off, but there were a lot of people that followed him. Peter was one of the disciples that did follow him. And at some point when they, get, when they got challenged, Peter had come to the conclusion that there was no place else to go. Jesus, his words were astonishing. They were life transforming. He was teaching with one that had authority. And it impacted Peter's life so that he had no other choice but then to follow Christ and have a relationship with him. And so Jesus' words, when we, when we allow them to get close, they're astonishing. When we recognize Jesus is of authority, then we have no choice but to respond to him. And when we understand he speaks with that authority, it changes our life. It changes our behavior. It changes our action. And we, have, we realize that we have absolutely no place else to go. Have you come to that point that you have realized that there's no place else to go? Are are his teachings astonishing to you? When you think back about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, do you think back of that with reverence or think about all the things that I've learned? And and so this has been a great series and we've learned a lot, but it's got to come close to our hearts if we're really going to experience a life change. If we're really going to experience the astonishment, we've got to get close to it. You know, if we're really going to let it change us, then we have to apply it to our lives. We have to understand that Jesus is the final authority. The Sermon on the Mount is everything about how we can experience the kingdom of heaven today. We're not, we're excited about Jesus's return. We know he's going to return. I'm excited about going to heaven, but Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the day and, and, exp- and have it to the full today. And so we're not just sitting around waiting for heaven. We know that he's our Lord. He know, we know that he's our Savior, and that gives us you know, purpose and, and meaning for our life. And so it changes 
the way we think and the way we act and the way we behave. In Colossians 1, 7, it says this about Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus is our final authority. And when he teaches, he teaches with authority, and it is astonishing. And so it's my prayer for each of us that as we reflect back on this series, that we're able to think through things that we have learned. And so I would encourage you, if you've been with us through this series, to maybe go back and look at some of the different passages that we've looked at. I know many of our small groups have been studying the Sermon on the Mount together, and I I hope that that time has been fruitful for you as you've looked at how to apply this to your lives. But the Sermon on the Mount is, is the longest discourse of Jesus. It's the longest passage in the entire New Testament where Jesus is speaking consistently. And it is so packed with good information. And so we're finishing this series today. We're done with the Sermon on the Mount. The logo is going to go away. We're getting ready to move to Easter. And, I, and part of me is disappointed. I have really enjoyed uh, working through the Sermon on the Mount. It, it's been fun for me to be able to think back in my own life where God's made changes. It's been fun for me to talk with many of you about the questions that have come out as you've been studying the different passages uh, that we've been going through. This has been a great series. And so before we move on to it, uh, to the next thing, I just want to encourage you to take some time to stop and reflect and celebrate everything that you've just been through. Jesus was with his disciples in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. It says that Thomas was one of the 12. Uh, he was not with the disciples when Jesus appeared. And so Jesus had appeared to his disciples uh, right before he was ascended to heaven. Thomas was not there. Um, he was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples had told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to him, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails on his hands and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now keep in mind, this disciple has been with Jesus the entire time. He has been with Jesus throughout his ministry. And when Jesus dies, Thomas is kind of like, oh, it's all over. And then the other disciples say, hey, look, it's not over. We saw him. And Thomas says, I'm not going to believe unless I can touch, see, smell, put my finger in the, in the wounds, right? Eight days later, the disciples were inside. Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. And Jesus uh, stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then, he, and then he looked over at Thomas and he said, hey, put your finger in here. See my hands. Put it in my side. Place it into my side. Don't dis- be a disbeliever, but believe. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And then Thomas says in verse 28, he says, he answered them, my Lord, my God, Jesus said to him, my Lord, my God, I believe. And Jesus says, well, you have believed because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. And so it would be easy to go through a series like this and, and still come on the other end of it and still not know what you believe. And so it'd be really easy to say, wow, we just went through this great series on the Sermon on the Mount. It was a good teaching. You know, Matt and Tim and I had so much fun preparing it. I really enjoyed the messages. It would be really easy to come through that and say, wow, that is really a nice picture, but still not be sure what you're looking at. And so I want to encourage you as you reflect back on these last nine weeks that we've had together is to think about how have you been changed? 
You know, we started the new year off with an encounter in 2022. We are, the first quarter, it is gone. We're, we're flying right towards mid-year. Before you know it, we're going to be sitting at the end of the year. And I'm hoping that is through our time together that we're able to look back and see where the Spirit of God is at working and alive. The Spirit of God is at work transforming lives, drawing people into a relationship with Himself and giving them new life. There's nothing about God's Word that is just ho-hum. It is astonishing. It is life-transforming, but we've got to let it penetrate our lives. We've got to reply, and we, got to, we have to reflect on it, and we have to share it, and we have to talk with it with others. And so we are finishing up this series, and it's my prayer that as you look back on the last nine weeks, that you can look back and say, wow, I have a different view of Jesus than I did when I started. Maybe I wasn't clear about my relationship with Christ, but I want to clarify that now. Maybe I've never had an opportunity to make a faith commitment, but I want to make a faith commitment. I've never had an opportunity to be baptized, but I want to get baptized. I've never been in biblical community with anybody else, but wow, I heard there's some great small groups here. I've never known I have a spiritual gift. I've never been a part of a body of Christ. And I'm hoping that as you look back on these last few weeks that you've been able to see where God is growing you and and calling you to take a step. And if you're a leader at Springbrook, just the, the idea that we are here to help other people understand how to experience the fullness of a relationship with Christ should to just burn in your heart. You know, we have been entrusted with this great news. And as we move towards Easter, we have so much to be praying about. You know, we have an opportunity to, to help people take steps on their spiritual journey. And no matter where you are on your journey, we want to invite you to, to take a step. You know, we've been talking about that throughout this series. It's really been our, our theme for the year has been about helping people to encounter a living God that loves them, that cares about them, and wants a relationship with them. And it is astonishing news. And, and when, we, when we embrace it, it changes our life. It impacts the way we think and the way we live. And so we want to encourage you if, you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, to take that step. And if you do have one, we want to encourage you to start experiencing growth. You know, we're moving towards Easter, and this is a great opportunity for us to be able to invite somebody to hear about this good news about Christ. And so if you have a relationship with Christ, if, you're, if God's word's astonishing to you, if it's changed your life, if you understand Jesus' authority, then you understand the importance of what we're here for. Because we have, we, have, we have so many people in our community that don't have what we have, that don't believe what the Bible teaches about Scripture. And we exist to reach our community for Christ. And I hope that that resonates and that burns in your heart. And so this, this series that we've just finished should be astonishing for you. It's my prayer that you've all been astonished as we've gone through this series, that you've been able to experience that life transformation and that impact as a result of having God's word close um, to your heart. If you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, we would love the opportunity to talk with you. If you want to help get connected uh, to Springbrook, if you want to start growing in your faith, um, we want to be able to help you to do that. You know, it was... Um, it was uh, over 25 years ago that I stepped into the church uh, for the first time uh, to really, with a desire to know more. And um, I was a part of a church that um, helped people to understand how to have a relationship with Christ, took disciple-making seriously. I can remember I worked for uh, the healthcare company. I've shared this story a couple of times, but it was, it was really interesting, um, you know, for me to, to really think about what this has looked like in my own life. I've challenged myself uh, these past weeks about what God's word looks like in my life. And I keep going back to that initial change. I, I was working for a healthcare company. I was, I was making, uh, I was 30 years old. I was just over 30 years old. 
I was making, uh, you know, <laughs> for a 30-year-old, I think I was getting close to, uh, you know, $150,000 for a 30-year-old. That's a lot of money back then. And I had a, had a nice house, a big car, and had a good job. And uh, I was focused on my career. And um, I remember when I became a Christ follower, I started reading through the Bible. And I remember one, one day, um, I was sitting at my desk, and I had my Bible in my office. And, and people used to come in because they, after I, you know, he's the religious guy. And so if something was going on in somebody's life, they'd ask me to pray for them or you know, if they had questions. And so I had fun talking about this. And I remember one day, I was, I was reading through my Bible. And I came across uh, the passage where Jesus talks about the two paths. And um, I can remember thinking about, if this is true, the implications for the people around me uh, that don't have a relationship with Christ are not good. And so I'm sitting there and I'm moving. I, I looked at my Bible and I looked, I was looking at some paper. I, I did a lot of international travel. I was looking, I was probably getting ready to book my next flight to Malaysia or whatever I was doing. I was, I was looking at everything I was working on and it was all important in my mind. And then my, I looked over at my Bible and, 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 and that passage with, with Peter saying, hey, where else am I going to turn? Uh, Lord, Lord, you the Lord of my life. I looked at this and I thought, what is more important here? Is it, is it, is it, is it making, you know, disposable hospitals products? Is it making more money? Is it getting to go on my trip? Is there anything more important in life than helping people to understand their need for a relationship with Christ? And, and, it, and it, it got close to my heart. And reading through the Sermon on the Mount in my life changed me. It got close to my heart. I was astonished by it. I recognized God's authority uh, in my life, and I acted on it. And it changed everything about my life. That's what God's word does. It, it, it moves you from living for yourself to living for him. It's about putting him first in every area of your life. And it, as you read scripture and you apply it to your life, you can't help but be changed by it. It is astonishing. Jesus speaks with authority and it, is an, it makes an impact on our life. And so that's my prayer for each of us that would be able to experience that life change. And not everyone's gonna be called to, to leave their job and go into ministry, but maybe you are. You know, maybe you're sitting there and you've got this job and you're thinking, wow, I want to do something more meaningful with my life. Maybe it is going to be a job change. You know, God might open up some opportunities for you to do something in ministry. You know, it, it, God might open up a door for you to be involved in a local church. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a Springbrook and maybe it's another church. You know, I was sitting there 25 years ago when God called me to in, into ministry. And so maybe God's got something more for you than you're experiencing today. And it might not be maybe being a pastor or going into ministry, but maybe it's opening up a small group in your home. You know, maybe it's sharing your faith with your neighbor. Maybe it's inviting somebody to church for Easter. You know, what, what, it's going to look different for all of you. Every one of us is uniquely gifted. Each one of us has a, God's got a different plan for it. We've been called, we've been saved by grace through faith so we can accomplish the works that God has for us. And so each one of us should be wrestling through, what does this look like in my life? And so as we bring this Sermon on the Mount series to a close, it's my prayer that God would draw each of us close to himself, that each of us would be astonished by his word and that we would be able to experience the fullness of life that Jesus promises and that we would recognize Jesus as our final authority. I'm looking forward to all that he has for us as we move towards Easter. It's going to be a great time of celebration, celebrating the fact that Jesus is who he claimed to be. We're going to be celebrating the resurrection. It is astonishing news. Not everybody's heard it, or if they have heard it, they haven't responded to it. And so we're entering into a great season where we have the opportunity to share with with others the hope that we have within ourselves. And I'm looking forward to what God has for us. Would you pray with me? 
And Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. And I just thank you for uh, the stories of life change. I was watching uh, my brother, uh, Brett Filer, was carrying a cross last week, you know, through downtown Huntley, just to be able to share the love of Christ with others in the community. And I think about some of the stories that I hear of life change coming out of our small groups or when somebody uh, steps out and opens up their home and, and, and they're able to see the Spirit of God work. Or just as people interact or share with friends and family where, uh, God, you have just been faithful. Uh, God, just uh, drawing people to yourself. And it's so exciting for us to be able to be a part of the work that you're doing. Thank you for this ministry you've entrusted to our care. Thank you for your provision. Uh, God, thank you for this series that we're finishing up. Uh, We're done with the Sermon on the Mount. um, But, God, uh, you're not done uh, with the story that you're writing in each one of our lives. And uh, we look forward to all that you have for us. We look forward to this upcoming uh, Easter celebration. Uh, God, may this be a, a new day for each of us where we can begin to experience uh, more fullness, more of the presence of, of your spirit in our lives. And we look forward to all that you have for us. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we'd love to invite you one more time to stand together as we respond and worship to our God who is so worthy to receive it. Let's respond to the word we've received together this morning.
Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning here at Springbrook. Isaiah 52 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the one who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness. So go now in faith and bring the good news of Christ, our risen Lord, to those around you. Have a blessed week in the Lord.